welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicole. And today on the show, we're talking about, should I buy a house outright with no debt or, you know, should I use a mortgage on it? Now, this is a specific question that's come from a list of the show, Pauline, who was the highlight of our recent trip to Queenstown. And we met her at a winery and convinced her to start listening to the show. So, Pauline, buckle up. I know you're on your Peloton bike today. <laughs> Let's answer your question. And her question reads, what would you do if you could put down the whole purchase price for a property, not just the deposit? Pros and cons. Thanks, Pauline. Andrew, take it away. What are the pros and cons of using cash? And why don't you just explain really clearly, what do we mean by this? Okay, so say you're going to buy a million-dollar rental property and you only need 200000 to do that, 20% deposit, 800000 borrowed from the bank. If you've got a million dollars in the bank, should I just use the million dollars? Let's start talking through the pros. Pros of using cash, will you get a better cash flow return on the property? And the reason for that is you don't have a mortgage to pay. So you've got the rent coming in, you've got your operating costs, none of that money that would go to pay the mortgage is actually going to that. So your cash flow is much better. But there's still a con. So the con is you get worse return on your investment. And the reason for this is you're losing the effect of leverage, which is the ability to lend against the investment property. Now, let's just use simple numbers. $600,000 purchase price, and let's say the property goes up by 5% a year. That's $30,000. Now, that's the same $30,000 increase whether you've got debt on the property or not. If you put all the money down, $600,000, $30,000 return is 5% on your 600000 But if you only put 20% down, $120,000 in, then your return, the $30,000, is 25% return on investment. Yeah, that's 25% on your $120K. So there's primarily a trade-off between cash flow and capital returns. Now, bear in mind, I'm using the word capital returns, not capital gains. In both those scenarios that Andrew just outlined, the capital gain was the same, 30K in the first year. But the return is based on the money you initially had. Now, here's typically what's the case. The more cash you use, the better cash return you'll get, the better the cash flow will be. But the more debt you have, the better the capital return will be. So the main question is, well, when would this be useful? If you could, When would it be useful to put down a large amount of cash on a rental property? And the answer is it changes based on your life stage. Now, remember, we have three primary life stages, which you've got to learn about in our upcoming book, Wealth Plan. The first is starting blocks. And what's the goal there? You've got to get your starter property, whether your first home or your first investment property, if you've got to keep renting. And then you've got to grow your equity. You've got to grow your equity till you're able to start running the race. Now, that's where you grow a portfolio of investment properties to start to build your wealth. And why do you do that? So you can eventually cross the finish line and live off a permanent passive income. So the decision of whether to use a large cash deposit on a property depends where you are. Look, if you are at the starting blocks, then What you'd probably do in that situation is you don't own any property. You've got to buy your home with as little mortgage as possible. So you'd probably put down a large deposit on your own home and then leverage off that so you can go and buy your first investment property. If you're running the race and your goal is to build your wealth, to build a portfolio of investment properties, well, if you've got your own home mortgage, well, you'd probably pay that off first and then 
depending how far through you are, you'd probably buy multiple investment properties and buy a few of them. So you might use your $600,000 worth of cash, just to use an example, to put down three $200,000 deposits so you can start to grow a portfolio. But if you were crossing the finish line, you're further on, you're very close to retirement, or you're already there, and you want to start building a cash flow, get some cash out of your properties, that's where you would buy them with no or very low debt because that's where cash flow is more important. So if capital return more important because you're running the race, hey, that's where you take on more debt, put down lower cash deposits. If you are ready to cross the finish line, that's where you typically use larger cash deposit, less debt. But Andrew, it's really important to note that situations aren't always this cut and dry. No. So let's talk about some situations where the game plan might change. And why don't you tell us some stories of investors you're currently working with? Okay, so I'll talk to you about an investor that I'm working with, Jeremy, who's got his own home. He's got no mortgage on his own home. And he's got an investment property which he bought five years ago, which has now kind of 400k debt on it. Now, he just got 600k cash in the bank for the sale of one of his businesses. Now, Jeremy doesn't want to borrow against his home to use for deposits for any future rental properties. So should he buy a property outright or what else should he do? Well, the decision here, if you just blindly follow the life stages that we've talked about, then you'd use the money as deposits for a few properties because Jeremy is running the race. But existing investment properties will be negatively geared with the tax changes that have come in. So in this case, we're going to use the cash to clear the debt against the existing rental property and then re-borrow against that so that the interest on the loan is deductible. That would be if he was going to go and buy some new builds, right? That's right. So he's got the existing property, pay off the debt against that, re-leverage against the investment property in order to go buy new builds. The now, new investment property. Now, bear in mind that even though he's borrowing against the existing investment property, because the purpose of the lending is to go and buy a new build, the interest is still deductible because whether it's deductible or not isn't about what you're borrowing against, it's what the purpose of the lending actually is. And in this way, he's able to not have to borrow against his own home. And I'll give you another example. So an investor that I worked with a few years ago sold a property overseas and bought a whole bunch of cash back to New Zealand. And they were 60 and they were living a good life working part-time. They're pretty well off, so we're enjoying their lifestyle now, wanted to keep investing in property. Now, if you blindly followed the life stages, you'd say that she was crossing the finish line and therefore they should invest for cash flow, i.e. buy yield property. Now, in this case, what this investor decided to do was buy two properties with 50% cash deposit, 50% debt. Now, this was because they could fund their lifestyle right now for at least the next 10 years. They had some part-time work. They had some cash in the bank. They didn't need cash flow straight away, so they wanted a better capital return on their investment. The other thing that's interesting about the second investor you mentioned, the ones who were 60, is that if they decided that actually they're just going to buy one property right now, if they waited much longer, it's going to get harder and harder to get the money out of the bank. So I can understand why they might say, actually, I want to buy two properties take on the debt while I can, because if I wait a couple of years, maybe that's not going to be possible. So again, that's where some of the more 
generalized advice that we'll talk about on the show may not always be appropriate. That's how you apply it in these specific situations. And again, these people were more conservative than some investors because of the age and stage. And so having 50% was something that was palatable for them. And I think that's you know really important to note that if you are in a position where you've got a bit of cash, if you don't want the income now, I wouldn't be going out and just buying yield properties with cash. I'd be actually focusing on how much more wealth can I produce. And again, I've worked with investors where they might borrow 50%, get a yield and a growth, and then they've got a horse in both races. Now, my other question is, based on your experience, if you were to buy a new build investment at 100% lending today, you know, we mentioned it, I think, a couple of episodes ago during the rapid fire, that the top up might be, you know, $300 while interest rates are high, coming back to an average of $150 over time. Now, that assumes 100% lending. If you were at 50% lending... It'd be cash flow positive. Yeah, it'd be cash flow positive. Uh, you wouldn't even need to put in 50% deposit for that. So again, that's what I would often map out with investors who have good amounts of cash. I'd say, well, what point do we have to work this so that you are cash flow positive? And generally speaking, kind of between 20 and 30% cash deposit. There might be a little bit of a negative cash flow over the next couple of years with high interest rates, but put that money aside as well. Yeah, I always have to remind investors that the reason your property is negatively geared is because you're borrowing at 100%. And remember, if that's your constraining factor, that's where you might have to accept the top up. And I'll give you another situation. Here's a different one. Got an investor, Liv, who owns four investment properties at the age of 40. So she has done really, really well. And she's the one who's really driven her and her partner to invest in property. Now, she's gone right into property, put all her money into it, and she's just received an inheritance. And she came to us and said, you know, what should I do with this? And the decision that she came up with with her financial advisor was actually to invest in something else entirely. Because she's decided, you know what? I've already got my four investment properties. I've already got my own home. I actually want to invest in something else that's going to be a bit more liquid. So she puts that money into shares or a fund if she then comes across an opportunity where she could better use that money. Or if she goes through a tough financial situation, maybe loses her job, loses her income source, that money's still going to be available for her there rather than locked in a property. Bear in mind, if you put in a large cash deposit into a property and you then need access to it, you've only really got two options. You've either got to sell the house, which takes time, not just to get an unconditional contract, but also for the money to come through, can take two to three months. So if you need urgent access to cash, that's probably not going to be the right option. Or the other option is to borrow against that property. And again, if you go through a really tough financial situation where maybe you lose your job, it's going to be tough to get the bank to lend you more money. So having something that's liquid, something you can tap into, especially if you've already sorted out your wealth gap, like live in this case, that could be a really good option. But look, Pauline, hopefully that's answered your question. And keep going on your Peloton bike. I know you've got another half hour in you. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you like Pauline and live in one of the cities we're coming to on our book tour, then I want to see you there. We're coming to Queenstown, Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington, and Havelock North over in the Hawke's Bay. And that is happening mid-November. I'd love to see you at one of those events. Tickets for that are 30 bucks. Hey, links down in the show note, or just go to opuspartners.co.nz or message us on Instagram for the link. We'll hook you up with that. Or if you're not able to make it to the book tour, then wealthplanbook.com. Pick up your order there on pre-sale ships mid-November.
Rugby Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand Rugby Until next time.